good evening once again. This is the Right Reverend John St. Germain welcoming you to episode 108 of the Crystal Silence League Hour. 108. Triple digits we have made it to. I haven't made it to triple digits yet, but the show has. My goodness, tonight, sex and power. Grab yourself a caffeinated drink, if at all possible, and come back in just a little bit, and we will be here. Will you? I will. See you in a minute. I'm back, and tonight we're going to talk about sex, we're going to talk about sex, put the children to bed, we're going to talk about sex. Actually, we're not going to get nasty here on the show. We never get nasty here on my show, because I I am an ordained minister, a man of the cloth, and we don't get nasty here. No, we don't, and you want to get nasty, you you got to go to the other shows that are uh, on Blog Talk Radio that do get nasty, and there are some here, I noticed, I looked at the, I looked at the, uh, Schedule and there are some nasty, some nasty shows on Blog Talk Radio. Man, there there are porn stars that have shows on Blog Talk Radio. Now I just lost about half of my audience right now. They're all they're all looking on Blog Talk. Where where are they? Where are them nasty people? I want I want I want to listen to some porn stars, but sex and power. We're going to talk about the magnetic power of sex energy, and those of you who work magic know that um, sex magic is very powerful, and that sex energy is very powerful, and we're not talking about getting laid. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the magnetic attraction that can be controlled and used to bring into your life those things that you most desire. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit. This is the Crystal Silence League Hour. I'm your host, the jovial Reverend John St. Germain. And um, for those of you who don't know, the Crystal Silence League was founded around 1917 by Mr. Claude Alexander Conlon, a magical adept who was no stranger to the power um, of the sexual energy. Uh, He was a man of amazing power. Uh, He rose from relative obscurity uh, to the highest paid entertainer in vaudeville. And after nine years, he retired a multimillionaire and lived the life that he wanted to live. And he founded the Crystal Silence League for the purpose of distributing positive affirmation and prayer to those who need such. When he passed into the silence in 1954, the League went with him until Magical Adepts of Missionary Independent Spiritual Church brought it back into cybernetic form around uh, 2009, I think. And speaking of that, um, just a few days ago, uh, Sunday night, I believe, uh, Missionary Independent Spiritual Church, our mother church, the smallest church ministry, uh, suffered a fire around one in the morning and was completely burned to the ground. A small church, it was six feet square. Um, It is, though, the mother church of all of us, Divine Harmony Spiritual Church, four gospel uh, altars, uh, chapel, uh, Church of Santista Muerte. There's about a dozen of us. You can find the entire list on uh, the crystalsilenceleague.org website. And um, there was some discussion about whether or not it was going to rebuild, but if you do go to our Facebook page, you'll find that there is a FundMe uh, fundraiser going on now to rebuild the Mother Church of the World's Smallest Church Ministry. And uh, please go there if you haven't already. Every little bit helps. You can pledge a dollar. You can pledge five dollars. Every little bit helps. And uh, Reverend Catherine Ironwood has said she will rebuild 
Missionary Independent Spiritual Church, which of course sponsors the Crystal Silence League and is the symbol and inspiration of all of our churches, including Divine Harmony Spiritual Church, which is my church, and many, many others. So bless them. May they long stand and long inspire our ministry. So, so when Mr. Conlon passed into <clears throat> the silence, he took the league with him until it was born in cybernetic form at www.crystalsilenceleague.org. And if you go there, you will find a prayer page where you can post a prayer. And we get between one and 200 prayers a week, not a month, not a year, but a week. And it's been my custom since we started uh, the show 108 episodes ago to read aloud many of these prayers so that you, our listeners, can join in prayer either live, as you are now, or in the podcast, as you are now, if you're listening to the podcast. It's like traveling in time. So before we do that, let's discuss our uh, gem of the week, which is Laramar. And uh, Laramar is a type of pectolite. And I'm going to tell you that pectolite itself has an energy of its own, and pectolite is a clear stone, and Laramar is a blue stone. Although pectolite can come in many colors, usually it's colorless, but it can be white, gray, light yellow, light green, light blue. Light blue is called Laramar. Light pink, uh, many, many, many different um, colors of, uh, of uh, pectolite. And uh, uh, all of uh, the characteristics, pectolite all of its form, is a stone that brings about wisdom. It is a learning uh, gemstone. And if we're talking about Laramar, maybe we'll do a whole show on uh, pectolite, but if you're talking about Laramar, uh, because it's blue, it resonates to the throat chakra. So we are talking about uh, communication in some form. And uh, uh, Laramar itself is uh, associated with the ocean, with the sea. Sometimes it's called the dolphin stone. And uh, <clears throat> so it... It has a sense of uh, communication and deep uh, uh, communication with the uh, uh, subconscious mind. And uh, people who like to uh, uh, telepathically communicate with sea creatures like dolphins and cetaceans and whales uh, tend to work with it. Uh, so it's a stone that facilitates communication with animals. And it can be used for um, uh, being... Uh, uh, open to communication with the uh, mother mother ocean, uh, calming energies. Uh, so it's uh, used for uh, any of the issues of the throat chakra, communication, uh, communicating guilt, uh, truths of any kind. It's a very hard stone, uh, as um, all of the pectolites are. And uh, so if you make an infusion of it, you can do it directly. Just drop it right in the water, let the water... Um, uh, infused in the sun if you're doing healing or in the moon if you're performing magic once you've made your elixir put a little bit of um, brandy in it uh, of course someone told me you put vodka in it too uh, and that's true you could you could put uh, Everclear in it distilled uh, actually you could put a lot of things in it uh, you could put the liquor of your choice in it I suppose uh, and uh Brandy's traditional with things like that, um, Bach flower remedies and um, infusions, and um, uh, sprinkle it around your home, uh, anoint your throat chakra, uh, use it in your spell work, uh, use it in uh, healing. So uh, that's uh, that is Laramar, our stone of the week. Now uh, I want to turn our attention to our prayers. Uh, I'm going, I'm going to drink a little ginger tea here. I've had a cold, and I've been doing a lot of readings. I've been doing about seven or eight readings a day. You say, Reverend, that's not a lot. These readings are like hour-long readings per day, and uh, that's a lot That's a lot of talking. So, uh, <clears throat> plus, you know, I have a three-and-a-half-year-old that I run around the house saying, Don't stop. Quit. Don't. What are you doing? Uh, why, why? Why? Why did you do that? What are you... For God's sake, what were you thinking? So, you know, that's that's uh, surrogate parenting, you know, grandparenting 
when you're raising a three and a half year old, you just run around going, "Why, why, why? What is what? It, what in the world did you do to the cat?" You know, this is just life for the three and a half year old. So, when I read these prayers out loud, um, I do see your name and your picture provided, but we do keep them anonymous. We read them through um, a prayer ID number, and we have many of those, and we're very excited. Because now we have a remove your own prayer button, so you don't have to report it to us uh, overworked pastors and wait six months for us to remove them for you. So isn't that great? Uh, let's start with prayer ID number 63489. And, of course, those of you with crystal balls know how to use the uh, <clears throat> direct method of projection to project your prayers. And prayer ID number 63489 prays as follows. I've enrolled in school for fall of 2017, but I need the financial aid office who has taken four months to evaluate my transcripts. And every week I've had to go to the office and start all over again. I need this extra money. I'm a single woman without support from anybody. Please pray that this department would get off their blessed assurance and proceed my request for aid. Amen. And prayer ID 63488. And the prayer is, Jehovah Rapha, please heal my uncle E. Father, he is too young to be in this situation. Please, Father, heal his mind and body. Please answer my prayer with a yes. Thank you, Jehovah Rapha. Amen. And prayer ID 63487. Dear St. Joseph, you are yourself once faced with the responsibility of providing the necessities of life for Jesus and Mary. Look down with fatherly compassion upon me and my anxiety with my present inability to support my family. Please help me find gainful employment very soon so that this great burden of concern will be lifted from my heart and that I am soon able to provide for those whom God has entrusted to my care. Help me guard against discouragement so that I may emerge from this trial spiritually enriched and with even greater blessings from God. Amen. And pray ready 63486. Who prays? May A.M. find a job where he is well paid to cover all his and his family needs. May his job be long-lasting and that it makes him feel happy and respected. Amen. And prayer ID 63485, I would like my finances to get back on track so I won't have to go to others for borrow money. I want my job to pay me everything they're supposed to pay me. Amen. And prayer ID 63483, please pray for OP to realize how much I mean to him, how much he loves me and that he made a big mistake to let me go. Please pray for him to think of all the things we've done together, all the memories we have, and realize how deep our feelings for each other. We, we were getting along so well, and we wanted each other so badly. We grew our bond deeper and deeper. Please pray for him to find a way to get back to me now. Please make him contact me and come back into my life and never leave. Thank you. Amen. Prayer ID 63481. Please pray TRB's meth is delayed again today, and his dad has been hearing my spell work and is positively affected. Amen. Prayer ID 63479. I pray that N and JJ is hot-footed out of my life. <clears throat> and does not try to cause harm, hurt, or danger, or go against me or my business in any legal or financial court matters whatsoever. They will also not slander my name or my company's name, as this is all their fault. Amen. Prayer ID 63474. Please pray for my mother who has pancreatic cancer. And if she should do chemotherapy, radiation or not, she is angry and depressed and is shutting everyone out. Thank you. Amen. And prayer ID 63473. Please continue to pray for my beloved boxer, B. Can we say a pet's name? Uh, 
I get Boxy. His name is Boxy. He is unwell, and I am doing everything possible to help him. Please pray for his speedy recovery. Amen. Prayer ID 63472. Dear spirit guides, ancestors, guardian angels, and universe, I ask you to remove this debilitating anxiety that is plaguing me. I pray that it leaves me and never returns again. Amen. And prayer ID 63470. I pray M is now completely aware that he has wrongly been blaming B and their relationship for what it really is going on within himself. I pray that he feels a constant, intense remorse for doing this and reaches out now to apologize and reconcile. Amen. <clears throat> pray ready 63464. Dear friends, please pray that AC's disability pension application is successful. Pray that the assessors understand AC's needs and award him a full pension and care services. May justice be served and may AC receive the financial and social support he needs. All AC needs to focus on his resting. Amen. And let's do one more. Prayer ID 63463. Please pray that my mom gets better from this small but severe heart attack and that her lungs will improve also, as well as all her other ailments, and that she will find joy, peace, and happiness again, and that she will be able to walk in comfort again with me in the park. Please pray that she will improve enough very soon and all her pains may be eased and she will still be able to come and visit me for her New Year's dinner for many years and every Saturday for lunch. May it be so. Amen. And now, shall we have a moment of silent prayer and meditation for all those in need of comfort and happiness. Amen. And folks, you know, we are a call-in show. Uh, we do have a call-in number. I'm always tempted to remind folks. Uh, and the call-in number is 657-383-0525. If you want to call in and share any of your experiences with the Crystal Silence League, with Crystal Ball Work, or if you have any questions, just give us a call. 657-383-0525, and I'll put you on the air. You call that number, and you push one, and a little flag pops up, and uh, I'll put you on the air for just a minute. I can't put you on very long, but, you know, for three or four minutes or five, maybe we'll have a conversation about new thought, about the things we talk about, about crystals, about crystal balls. We'll talk about it, or about whatever you want to talk about. This is Blog Talk Radio, and I talk a lot. But tonight's topic 
is about sex and power. And I'm talking about uh, using sex to dominate and manipulate. Um, we see enough of that <clears throat> as in ads, you know, semi-clad, uh, virile, rippling abdomen and jiggling flesh to try to sell you things. That's not what I'm talking about. Uh, last week we were talking about uh, magnetic eyes, magnetic voice, magnetic hands. Um, we'll, uh, we'll talk a little bit about further magnetic personality because we've seen the uh, external aspects of uh, direct mag personal magnetism. That's, that's the eyes, the voice, and the hand. So what we're going to move into now is indirect personal magnetism. And this is where we're going to segue into this whole idea of sexual magnetism. So, um, all direct magnetism that we've talked about so far, eye, voice, hand, obtains its effect in direct proportion to its power to overcome or neutralize or render ineffective any opposition that may exist in the minds of the person that you seek to influence. There is always a struggle for control. And the greater the opposition that you face, the, the more friction will be manifest. And the greater will be the degree of direct magnetic power necessary to be manifested and put forth by you. So if you are acting against the will of anybody or anything, uh, there's going to take a great deal of magnetic effort on your part of willpower and, and control. So uh, we assume when we go into any kind of uh, uh, work like this that there's going to be an opposition, that we're pushing against reality. Now, <clears throat> there, there's a type of uh, philosophy that says go with the flow, uh, it is what it is, etc. Uh, there, there's a certain amount of that. Uh, there are times when things are going to go your way, but what we're assuming is that we're trying to take things to another level, and reality will push back. Reality will push back. It takes some effort to go to the next level, and sometimes the opposition is you. It's ourselves. Sometimes it is ourselves, and when that's the case, uh, you really you really have to push back. Uh, and by this, I'm talking about our self-doubt, our our fears, our uh, programming, the uh, uh, these uh, things we've told ourselves, um, things our uh, society, parents, um, everybody. You know, just, there's so many things that uh, we're working against. So it takes a great amount of will to overcome these things. Now. If it takes a lot of friction, there's a lot of friction in opposition, uh, logically, uh, how much easier will it be to obtain and hold influence over others if you can reduce that opposition, if you can reduce that friction? And this is what we um, uh, attempt to do. So if we're going to use direct magnet magnetic uh, methods, uh, we learn methods to reduce that friction, to make it an easier path. So the more agreeable and pleasing your personality, right, the more persuasive your personality, the less friction will exist. And uh, there, therefore, your path of magnetic approach will be easier. Your direct methods will work easier. So it follows that you should cultivate and manifest uh, the features of a magnetic personality. And it, it amazes me how many people have this me-against-the-world attitude that I am going to go out and fight the world. I'm going to make the world uh, the way I want it rather than observe the world the way it is and learn to work with it. Now, I'm going to uh, give you a synopsis of the features that were most recommended by people who were very good at this, uh, Mr. Conlon, Mr. Atkinson, uh, uh, Joseph Murphy, uh, many of the people who pioneered this work. Uh, now, the very first thing that people notice about you is your appearance, right? Your your physical carriage, the way you carry yourself, your clothing, 
your outer appearance. It's just something people notice about you before your speech. So uh, people are attracted or repelled by your uh, by your appearances. So right at this point, uh, uh, many people who have an excellent character are handicapped by their outer appearance. So the outer appearance must be cultivated to be attractive to your, your goal. Now, it was very popular when I was young to be an angry rebel. Uh, still is, I think. <clears throat> and to deliberately set yourself apart from conservative society. Well, that's, that's fine. Uh, but you can still... Be, you can still be an individual without deliberately shooting yourself in the foot. Uh, the way you carry yourself, for instance, is important. Um, the world at large is very apt to judge your inner nature by the way you carry yourself, your physical carriage. Um, we know that inner states manifest externally. Um, so, if you want, so the first thing that's very important is to carry yourself correctly. Uh, it's good carriage, um, balance, poise, uh, a springy step. Um, so I'm not talking about arrogance. I'm not talking about uh, that uh, cocky, arrogant walk. But the way you carry yourself with confidence, um, there are three things that you should project at all times. Self-respect, respect for others and self-confidence. Now, all the world respects a person who respects themselves. There's nothing to be gained by a mental attitude of the opposite of self-respect, self-deprecation, self-loathing. Self-loathing is one of the biggest enemies to magnetic personality. Uh, remember that you are a human being. You're, you're a human being. You are nature's highest creation. Face the world firmly. Keep your eyes to the front. Hold up your head. Keep your back straight. Shoulders squared. If you walk around with a bent head, looking at your feet, shoulders slumped, it seems like you're always apologizing for something. And the world will believe you. Now, this seems like a small thing, but it really isn't. Self-respect. You'll get respect from others. People will respect you. Respect for others. I might even put that first. But you can't respect others unless you respect yourself. Now, don't stand so straight that you're looking down your nose at people. That's one thing. Um, there are two poles of respect, and it's got to be balanced, self-respect and respect for others. If you don't take into consideration the needs of other people, it's going to work against you. That's part of personal magnetism. There's two poles. There are two poles of it because you don't want to, you don't want to create friction. The idea is that you don't create friction. You, nobody can feel in mental harmony with you if you demonstrate that you don't have any respect for them. If you consider somebody beneath you, uh, if you consider something unworthy or objectionable about other people, they will feel the same for you. What what you project out, you're going to bring back. Now, there's a lot to say about this, but that's very. We'll talk about this again. But if you if you think if you're a person who's cynical about the human race, if you think that. Uh, you know, people are cancer on the earth. If you think that there's no hope in the human race, if you if you're one of these people that think I weep for the future of humanity, you don't respect other people. You know, if you, if you think it's cool to have the cynical attitude, and when I was younger, I thought I thought it was. You know, I was I, I thought nihilism and existentialism and uh, was cool, but I, I don't I don't anymore as I get older. I, I, it, it's it's self defeating. It is self defeating. Uh, Self-respect is a positive human quality, and respecting others is a positive human quality. And uh, the opposite of that, 
benefits no one. I mean, it may make you sound cool and hip and uh, Kerouac-like and everything, but it doesn't benefit anyone. There's there's nothing. Uh, you know, sarcasm is kind of funny, but it doesn't it it's, it doesn't do you any good. Slurs and slights and insults, none of this does any good. It's against the true spirit of the elevation of man. And therefore, if you respect yourself and respect others, when, when people try to hurl insults and slights and uh, 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 slings and arrows of outrageous misfortune at you, they just slide off your back like water from a duck. Doesn't bother you at all because it it won't stick to you. You have you have this respect for yourself and others. Self confidence very important. Uh, uh, self confidence cannot be faked. If you try to fake self confidence, what you have is this uh, cocky egomaniac thing. And I'm going to tell you there's a, there's a lethal combination: big ego, low self esteem, and you see this a lot in uh, certain industries. Uh, I used to perform a lot of presentations for sales meetings, and uh, there was a, a certain industry, boat salesmen. They were a combination of the jock and the very worst in sales. Now, I, I have a lot of respect for salespeople, and I have a lot of friends who are salespeople, and there are good salespeople, and then there are the really bad salespeople, and the really bad salespeople are the ones who have the Big ego and low self-esteem, and uh, and I have a lot of friends who are athletes. Good self-confidence. Then you have the jock mentality. Big ego, low self-esteem, and they're just a hair away from being a bully. And uh, that's a deadly combination. They insult. They take insult easily, uh, and they they rise to anger very quickly. They have low self-confidence, but a big ego. Uh, tender skin, very thin-skinned. And they're quick to call you a snowflake. Oh, my goodness. So true self-confidence. Um, I'll, I'll tell you that the world will have no confidence in you if you don't have confidence in yourself. And if you have confidence in yourself, everyone will have confidence in you. Now, you should know this from your own personal experience with people. Uh, who you meet in business and social life at work, uh, and um, there's nothing more repellent and uh, nothing that will make you doubt a person more than um, uh, self-confidence that masquerades, fake self-confidence masquerades the real thing. Uh, brash, cocky, smart aleck attitudes. Uh, you know, like like really young people do sometimes. You know, they're they're, they're trying to act self-confident, but they really come off as smart aleks, uh, that's really a sign of self-doubt, not self-confidence. And, uh, uh, and it, it gives gives them away completely. And, you know, we, we forgive it in the young, but when someone's 30, 35, 40, and they're still doing it, I, I don't overlook it. I, I don't. You should outgrow it by then. So, um, usually the... Uh, the body language can give it away. Uh, one of uh, one of the authors I read talked about this and said that a, a balanced physical carriage reflects a nicely balanced self-respect and self-confidence. Your earlobes are directly over your shoulders, so that there's like a plumb line. Uh, don't carry your head either to the right or left, but keep it vertical. Uh, uh, don't don't lean to the right or the left. Uh, Strong people of will never tilt the head. They don't tilt their head to the right or left. Uh, their head sits perfectly straight. Their eyes are to the front. Shoulders are held easily and firmly in position. Uh, in poise, every line of the body denotes the thought of the bearer. And you can tell when somebody's thoughts are elsewhere by their body language, can't you? Their, their head is tilted like they're listening to far-off music. So... Don't look like you're apologizing. Don't look like you're distracted. <clears throat> and uh, um, I've uh, I've often noticed uh, people from past generations. You, you'll see films of them, and they have this erect, almost military-like carriage and a penetrating concentration in their vision. Um, 
so we we talked a whole lot about this, and uh, um, I'll, I'll tell you that there was a time in school when you were well-bred, there were exercises that taught you how to do this. Uh, you stood with your back against the wall. Uh, the, you touched the wall with your heels, backs of legs, hips, shoulders, and back of your head. And it's uh, a little bit uncomfortable because it's not your natural position. Then you, uh, you sway forward a little bit away from the wall, but you keep your feet in the original position. Um, and uh, at one point you, you become very conscious of a, uh, a well-balanced position. And you hold that position. Um, you walk away from the wall without uh, uh, disturbing that poised position. And uh, you, uh, you develop a sense of balance and poise. We walk on the balls of your feet. And uh, uh, you learn to walk by swinging, swinging from the hips. You get this cat-like power walk. And uh, I learned that uh, when I was a kid. And uh, when, I, when I walk through uh, a mall at my natural pace, my son picked it up for me. We have this kind of power walk. And it's funny, people, uh, I notice people will, will look at you when you, and they, they don't look at you like, uh, you know, like, what the hell? They, they look at you like, you know, that must be somebody because it's a power walk. It's a cat-like power walk. You kind of roll from the hips, and uh, like you, like you, it's a purposeful walk. It's a power walk, and uh, and I still do that. And I noticed my son picked it up for me. You look like you're a man on a mission, and uh, I picked that up when I was quite young, actually. Uh, I think my dad walked that way, but you know he was a military man too. But it's it's like you you set your uh, uh, your, your eyes are fixed on a point and you walk toward that point. It's not like a random uh, drift. It drives me crazy. I'll be walking that way and there'll be somebody on their cell phone just drifting aimlessly and they're about to run right into me. And I decided I became a walking Zen stick. You know what a Zen stick is when someone's meditating and they fall asleep and the Zen master comes out with the stick and they tap you with it? Actually, they kind of whack you with it across the shoulders and wake you up. I decided I'd become a walking Zen stick. If somebody's walking toward me and not paying attention, I don't get out of their way. They walk right into me. And I'm a pretty solid guy. They they bump into me. And uh, and I just kind of look at them. And I had some rude little girl go, excuse me. And I said, honey, you walked into me. And I said, I know I'm hard to see. I'm a 200-pound man wearing a red shirt. I'm practically invisible. We'll be back after station identification. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hooter Root Work Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Contraman Ollie, Sundays 3 to 4.30, Kendallo's Corner with Kendallo Canvisa, Michael Carell, and Lady A, Mondays 5 to 7, The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6, In the Streets with Beverly Smith, Tuesdays 6 to 7, on Sacred Ground with Kai Armand and Paige Zafiryu, Wednesdays, 3 to 4.30. Fit and Foxy with Madame Nadia and Jaya Danya, Wednesdays, 6 to 7. The Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, Thursdays, 6 to 7.30. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays, 6 to 7. And Liquid Libations with Andrea Weston, Saturdays, 5 to 7. All times Pacific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And I'm going to leave this topic of uh, physical carriage with the concept of the happy chest. And uh, I read about this in uh, uh, Mr. Conlon's uh, Inner Secrets of Psychology, and uh, uh, basically he said uh, a teacher along the lines of the celebrated Del Sarte system <laughs> said the region of the breast with its accessories, the arms, is essentially the emotional realm. It is this fact that makes the good carriage of the chest so impressive and so important. Though you meet me eye to eye and offer me specious conversation, promises, or threats, if your chest is sunken, I'll feel that there is a lack of heart in your assurances. But if your chest is bravely forecarried and upborne, don't you love the way you wrote? I will have no doubt of the conviction and determination and well-intentioned sincerity behind it. 
and I'm thinking about this, and it's true. Um, the chest means more than physical weakness. It means moral dejection. A sunken chest means more than physical weakness. It means moral dejection, discouragement, cowardice, and defeat. Just as truly as the lifted chest means not only strength, but also elation, courage, confidence, kindliness, and hope. The sunken chest, which is the indication of the dispirited weakling, may evoke pity. It can hardly elicit interest or sympathy. A large part of that strange personal potency, which we call magnetism, is the result of the victory of the happy chest. Isn't that great? The happy chest. So, folks, you want to have magnetic personality? Walk straight with an erect carriage and keep a happy chest. A happy chest. I want to try a little audio experiment here. And uh, if my uh, we have a full house in our chat room, and if you're not... Uh, in our chat room, by golly, you should be. And uh, I'm going to try a little experiment here. And uh, you may hear a few seconds of utter silence, but if you don't, I'm going to be really happy. Um, I'm going to try an experimental mixer program here, so I'm just going to do it for a minute. And if my people in chat will tell me, do you hear music or do you hear silence? Go. folks was there music or was there silence you be the judge because if we had music we got a new trick with our uh, with our blog talk program just let me know just let me know so we're going to talk now about sex power and uh, what we're talking about when we talk about sex power is a very interesting thing um the, uh, the the whole concept of what we do in projection work is, is thought force. We generate a vortex of thought, and we create this uh, wave of thought. And as we have preached about quite a bit um, uh, since the beginning of time here, is that thought is a real thing. Thought is not a, a thing that exists in non-reality. Thought is a real thing. And thought can be sent out as a real thing and influence reality. So when thought is sent out with sufficient determination and focus and intention, it can be used to attract real things. It can be used to influence real people. And the power possessed by certain people to attract certain other people or to arouse their interests or arouse their affections or move their emotions, arouse their feelings, um, or this peculiar power or force that many people have um, in varying degrees. And everybody has it to some degree, obviously. Um, and it can be used to attract or control or dominate or mentally influence other individuals to, with whom they come into contact or even at a distance, which is even more astounding. Um, some people have a strong and irresistible charm, which we call charisma, that they can use to allure or excite or enchant or charm or captivate or attract other people. Um, this is an important subject, you have to admit, because it, otherwise it's just random. Why, how come certain people are successful and certain people live in dismal failure? Why do certain people become so charming they become Marilyn Monroe or John F. Kennedy or Adolf Hitler, Julius Caesar, James Dean, 
Donald Trump. Why? How? And other people live lives of relative obscurity. Why? Thoreau said, the majority of men live lives of quiet desperation. Is it possible to take those lives of quiet desperation and turn them into lives of spectacular inspiration? Yes. So this is an important topic for anyone who wants to change their life. So we have studied this whole idea of uh, uh, personal magnetism for a reason. This is not just intellectual stuff. There are people who actually do this, and we know what it is. So we're going to talk about sex, and a lot of people don't even though we live in this sexual freedom, because sex is sometimes considered taboo, and sex is sometimes, uh, because of the ascetic ideals uh, of the more conservative people, and uh, because of this uh, taboo nature of sex, the results are sometimes deplorable. Sex is uh, a lascivious topic which is reduced to a, a physical act that we giggle about and write about on bathroom walls rather than a spiritual uh, energy that can be purified and used and uh, benefited from. So ignorance concerning the facts of sexual physiology, first of all, is uh, the cause of much of the immorality among people of both sexes and uh, the cause of many young men and women falling into evil and vicious habits um, and the thoughtful individuals of our times are beginning to recognize and realize these facts um, but very, how many people are actually uh, convinced that the first requisite of an intelligent marriage and parenthood is a sane knowledge of the physiology, psychology, and spirituality of sex. And I'm going to tell you, when somebody says to me that sex isn't important in a relationship, I, I say, you don't know what you're talking about. Because sex is more than the slippery friction that occurs during intercourse. Sex is a lot more than that. Because sex is vital to a relationship. Now, we're going to talk the scientific and psychological and spiritual uh, uh, ramifications of sex, the power of sex, and uh, we're not going to talk about uh, Masters and Johnson. We're not going to talk about uh, sexual positions of the Kama Sutra. We're going to talk about, um, we're going to set purity, issues of purity and prudery and uh, uh, pornography and morality aside, we're not even interested in that. Um, what we're interested in is um, an understanding of what happens when uh, sex is used for magical purposes or for projection purposes. Now, um, We talked a lot about the creative, the creative law. Sex, in its most fundamental level, in all creation, is a way to propagate life. The creative urge is in every, to the most fundamental, the, the amoeba has an urge to replicate. The, 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 the virus itself penetrates other organisms to, uh, to perpetuate itself. Sex in its most fundamental form is an expression of the creative law that we've talked about so much. In its most fundamental form, this is the sex, the sex energy, the creative, the expression of the creative. To reduce it to, uh, to smut, you know, to uh, uh, leering, you know, sitting at a street corner whistling at women or, uh, you know, saying, ah, nice, nice ass, you know. You know, you know, men or women either. Now, there, there's a certain enjoyment in that. You know, I, I appreciate a beautiful body or a lovely person as much as anybody. 
and to me, all human, you know, you know, you know, I'm an artist, right? You know, I draw, I draw and paint, and I've never seen an ugly body. I've I've drawn bodies of all ages and all all mesomorphic types. I've never seen an ugly human body, never, and uh, of all types. I've never seen an ugly organism of any sort, um, and uh, I I can't I can't imagine it. Um, you know, it's uh, it's ridiculous to me to even think of such a thing. But um, to reduce it to that, and only that, is a is a vast understatement. It's a vast understatement, and immature. It's it's a mistake of the young and the immature. We're talking about the creative force, the creative force, the ability to take something and uh, create and create more from it. That's what we're talking about, and that, in its most basic sense, is why we have sex. And uh, you know, even the the oldest man who loses his ability to uh, physically replicate still has the desire to produce from himself something. The artistic sense is a sex act. Music music is a sex act. Expressing yourself in writing is a sex act. You see where we're going with this? And projecting your will out in the universe is a sex act. This is the sex energy we're talking about. Now, nature in her most elemental form in all the higher phases and aspects of manifestation is pure and clean and noble. There's no morality in nature. There's no immorality in nature. All of her activities are seem to be such by minds functioning along scientific thought and spiritual thought. Nature has no morality. Nature is clean, pure, and noble. So um, the emotions that are founded on sex attraction, the or, or, that's called by science amatory emotion, by the way, amatory emotion founded on sex attraction is a purely instinctive emotion. If you find yourself sexually attracted to somebody, that's instinctive. It's not wrong, as some Puritans would say, that the sexual attraction you feel for somebody is a natural emotion. It's not wrong. Now, if you act on it inappropriately, it is wrong. Uh, you know, that's uh, you know, rape is wrong. Molesting someone is wrong. And you know, just because I want to eat an entire chocolate cake doesn't mean that I get to do it. Because, well, first of all, I'm type two diabetic. I'll die. This is called self-control, but the desire is natural. Sexual desire is natural, and if it's appropriate to express it, it's natural. To deny yourself this is unnatural. It's a purely instinctive emotion found throughout animal kingdom and even among plants. Plants have a very rudimentary sexual desire for each other. It's a feeling which should be treated with reverence, but sane reverence. So natural sexual passion is the very passion of creation itself wanting to express itself the most important function in the universe so if we recognize and understand that imagine the power that it gives us to fuel our own our own magic our own projections so realize that so what does nature have in mind with this why do we have this this whole thing this sex feeling the urge the urge of sex it's not to just go out and fuck ourselves to death there's more than that. You can only have so many kids. So why is it still there? Well, apart from these acquired and developed purposes and ends of the uh, association, the companionship, uh, uh, the love, the coupling that we have, uh, there's an elementary and fundamental purpose and an and end game, right, that nature has at the base of all the sex feeling and urges, all the sexual activity and acts. You know, if you go out here... Uh, in nature, look one inch below everything. There are two things going on. Everything is killing each other to eat it, and everything is having sex with each other to replicate, right? <laughs> to reproduce. Everything is screwing and killing. That's the two main things that's going on in nature. You look at, oh, what a beautiful day. You know, look at the beautiful bushes and look at the water. You go an inch below that water, and everything is busy copulating and eating each other. 
you go an inch below the beautiful bushes and trees, everything is busy eating each other or screwing each other. That's the two things that goes on in nature. And uh, so uh, the fundamental purpose of nature is preservation of life, the creation of life. And uh, it becomes absolutely necessary that we uh, that we defer our all the secondary aspects of, of sex, which is you know pleasure, uh, you know the sensual pleasures of it, and until we become very well acquainted with the fundamental and original purposes and the end game of sex, right, which is creativity, creation, the expression of creation. Um, um, so, any any you got you got to think about this in terms of law. Remember, God law, God is law. God's not a person that's sitting up here capriciously creating things. God is law. God God is the law that brought everything into existence, and laws that regulate and govern phenomena. Uh, you have to operate on assumptions that the law is an expression of the modus operandi of governing power that's established the fixed rules. Of any of the of the specific action that leads to the end, so law of gravity has certain laws. Uh, certain modus is the modus why, why the hammer drops. The modus operandi that makes the makes the hammer drop is the laws of gravity. So, um, so the laws governing the phenomena of sex, and there are laws that govern it, has evidently been prescribed for the purpose of the preservation of species. That's why. Humans have sex with humans to produce humans. A human can't have sex with a dog and produce a, a man dog. Right? There are laws. The conditions are not right. And a human can't have sex with a banana and produce a, a human banana. Right? Dogs can't have sex with cats and produce a weird man cat or, or a dog cat. Now, horses and mules can interrelate. Or, or no, horses and donkeys can interbreed and produce a mule, but a mule is sterile. So there, there are certain weird kind of laws. So the preservation of the species is the basis of sexual desire, right? And but but unless you study this as a scientist, that is unknown to the agent. Because when two dogs are having sex, they don't know that's why they're having sex, right? When when um, uh, two plants are having their gametes uh, interchanged by bees, they don't know that's why it's happening. You don't have to know. You, you do not you do not have to know that's been figured out by nature for us so nature has designed this the creative law has designed this uh, you see so the hunger for remember two things in nature two things are happening in nature everything's eating each other and everything is having sex with each other and hunger for love and hunger for food are both hardwired upon the two instincts of preservation the instinct of the preservation of the individual and the instinct for the preservation of the species. So the hunger for food is already manifested by the newborn baby. That's the individual. The sex urge is manifested by the adult before they've had any experience. So we're going to pick this up next week. It's a very complicated topic that we segued into. Um, now, as you mature, of course, your mind matures, and you begin to try to understand what, you, well, mature adults do. I mean, I've I known people in their 50s that are still out there spewing their gametes around at random and leaving chaos in their path. But as you mature, you begin to wonder, why am I doing all this? So we'll take this up next week. It's a fascinating topic. We're probably going to have about three or four episodes on sex and power. So come back next week. We'll talk more about sex. Put the kids to bed. Y'all, do come back. We'll see you. Love you.